Welcome to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. This week, I'm very excited to drop this episode with Dan Lawrence that I got to do over Skype. Dan is a musician in Nashville, and he also works as a lawyer as well. So he just graduated law school at Vanderbilt. He's been pursuing music in Nashville. He works full-time as a lawyer, so we kind of got into everything that entails. So just growing up, how he got into music, what he's done to practice, and really hone his craft. We got into how he balanced law school and now balancing a full-time career while doing this. I tried another strategy the last couple of weeks. I haven't listened to the podcast episodes before I release them and I'm just listening to them as soon as I release them to you guys. So I think that strategy has worked really well with me because I'm not too worried about how it turns out. I'm just listening to it for the first time, not not trying to make everything perfect or not trying to tweak anything here and there. I think whatever Dan said and whatever I say is what we were meant to say for this episode. So I'm just glad he came on. I got some valuable insight on what it's like to be a musician. I don't know a ton about music, so it is really eye-opening for me to just hear somebody give the story on how an idea becomes a song and what it takes to record it and then ultimately to get it on the streaming platforms where I found it, like such as Apple Music and Spotify. So I don't want to make these intros too long, so I'm going to shoot it over to the interview and I will talk to you guys on the back end. Oh, one more thing I forgot to mention. We were having some issues with Skype actually getting the call to record in the beginning. So I decided to keep some audio in there. I thought it was just funny how we couldn't get anything to work and then all of a sudden it just magically worked. So I thought it'd be cool to just show you guys that not everything's perfect and not everything goes according to plan, but uh, we got it done anyway. All right. Well, you know what? We'll just go with the recording on Skype. Let's do this. All right. All right. Let me just change my um, microphone to get in here. I just hope that when I, the fact that I recorded, I hit record like two, a minute ago. Is that gonna like right over yours? No, cause cause mine's recording. So hopefully, dude. If not, this is just like literally not meant to be. <laughs> it'll work it's good all right man so this week we have special guests coming on the podcast i have a high school friend dan lawrence i appreciate you coming on man hey angelo thanks for having me excited to uh be on the podcast yeah i'm excited to have you so i wanted to just get started with just some background about you where you grew up uh what life was like when you were younger yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, as you mentioned, kind of grew up in the same area, Pennsylvania. I'm actually from Oaks, which is, you know, basically like Collegeville, that, that area. And uh, kind of had a pretty average suburban upbringing, I'd say. Uh, I was playing Little League Baseball. I think you and I were on a basketball team at the Y at some point. <laughs> uh, I also spent a lot of time outside and kind of developed uh, interest in and fishing and camping and stuff like that from a pretty young age. Um, mm-hmm. Hanging out with my, my brothers and my dad, who was really into that, uh, and is really into that as well. 
Cool. So at what point did you start getting into music? Was this something that happened uh, really early on or were you uh, more of a late bloomer? It was, it was pretty early. Um, so yeah, around the time I was, as I mentioned, playing Little League Baseball and stuff, I also signed up for drum lessons. I was, I was probably about six years old when I signed up for my first drum lesson. Uh, yeah, this place in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, uh, took lessons there for a number of years. Uh, and then, you know, for a while I was just kind of getting, getting my chops down, figuring out how to play the drums. My, my older brother, Ted was taking piano lessons and then guitar lessons at the same place. Um, and, uh, so, you know, after a few years of taking those lessons, uh, we eventually, Got some of our neighborhood friends, uh, the Ellison brothers, to pick up instruments as well. And they start taking lessons at the same place in Phoenixville. And before we knew it, probably by sixth grade or so, um, we were playing in a band, uh, playing cover songs at local coffee houses. And I, mean, I think our opening, our, our, our first show ever was at opening day at the Upper Providence Little League baseball fields, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, that's awesome. Were you, um, would you say like you were talented right away on the drums or was it something that you, you said you were taking lessons for a couple of years, but did people notice you were talented right away or were you just another person who just came in doing the, doing the drums? Yeah. I mean, I think there was some, some element of, you know, the fact that I was so young picking it up, I had such a head start over a lot of people. So by the time I was in sixth grade, uh, I'd been doing it for a while. I don't know if I had any kind of natural, uh, you know, talent off the bat. It just, I had started so young that it, it gave me a bit of a head start early on. I think people would notice when I was, you know, in fifth or sixth grade playing at, uh, festivals and not festivals, but you know, local, uh, small town, little fairs and stuff. Uh, who's that little kid behind the drums, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but no, I don't know if it was, it was something I really liked to do. And I spent a lot of time doing, I would say, I think I just, I think I just practiced a lot during those years and, and, and got really into it. Mm -hmm. And you're a super athlete as well. Like you played, so you played baseball in high school, you played football. Was there anything else as well? No, I actually, uh, I quit baseball. I think in, uh, seventh grade, I was a wrestler though. So I played, oh, but, okay. uh, I wrestled. I played football, I wrestled, and then in college, I went out for the club rugby team and got pretty into that, and uh, really enjoyed that sport as well. Cool, interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I guess you would say, like, normally people would be more music inclined or creative or something like that, or more of the athlete side right away, and I think you were a little bit of both. Well, yeah, well, thanks. I mean, the, the other guys in our band, too, in those early years, uh, the Ellison brothers and my brother, we were all playing sports at the same time. Uh, I remember we were playing pickup baseball one summer uh, in the neighborhood. We kept, like, I felt like, you know, we would, we, the four of us would just be like, all right, we're going to go play some music now. We would just take off <laughs> and, and go play, uh, play in our basement. And we got, we were really into it. Like, People would be like, oh, come on. Like, we're in the middle of a game. We, just, we would take off. We, lo we love both those things, um, both sports. Uh, Andy, who is one of the, the Ellison brothers, played football with me. And Gary was a baseball player. 
um, we we enjoyed doing both. Really, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, the one thing I wanted to get from high school, you had uh, that video. I guess it kind of went mini viral, but um, you the you somebody cover. I remember first hearing that, and um, even I think my dad said it, but he was like, "These these guys are better than the actual band who sings this." <laughs> like I honestly thought you guys did a better job than Kings of Leon on that one. Oh well, yeah, well thank you. I mean, we we were always playing a lot of classic rock. It was kind of like what mm-hmm. we were into. Uh, we had other influences as well, but as far as covers went, we didn't we didn't play a lot of modern music that a lot of people our age you know, knew, or they kind of knew, but it, it was their parents' music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really into Kings of Leon still, and I remember when they came out, and I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool, like a rock band. It's it's fairly popular. You know, kids our age like them. So we learned a few Kings of Leon songs. We got into Black Keys and some other, like, you know, kind of indie rock or alternative rock artists at the time and started doing that. But, yeah, You Somebody was a lot of fun to play. Um those early years how long does it take when you're um started like when you started the band were you guys doing um your own songs off the bat or were you just doing covers at first pretty much just covers i think we had a few songs we wrote here and there um you know just try to mix them in uh by early high school we were were still playing in the band um and we were writing my brother and i we all kind of wrote together I, I developed an interest in, in lyric writing pretty early, and I was uh, really interested in that. And in fact, you were talking about sports a second ago. I tore my ACL my junior year. I don't know if you remember that, but I, uh, I, so I couldn't play any football that year. So that was the reason why I started playing guitar. And uh-huh. playing guitar opened the door for songwriting for me, I'd say. Um, you know, I could, I could write lyrics as a drummer, but I was, always had to be writing with one of the other guys in the band who could play a an instrument with notes, I guess, um, you know, um, the guitar is a, is a perfect instrument to write music on. And I, I basically started learning guitar and taking lessons so I could write songs. Very cool. And then we mentioned, um, off air. So you just graduated from law school as well. So what's that experience like? You head down to uh, Tulane first, and then you end up at Vanderbilt. So uh, what what took you down down south at, like to begin with? Yeah, um, my older brother, who I've been talking about, went to Vanderbilt before before I did. Um, he went there for undergrad, and I just started visiting Nashville because he was there. And I always liked country music, especially like the old older country artists, Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash specifically. My dad like I said, turn us on to a lot of music, uh, classic rock, and also this you know, classic country stuff. Um, so going to Nashville was was a really cool experience for the first time, getting to see where a lot of that music came from. And I think I think uh, I was looking at colleges and decided I wanted to try something different, you know, go somewhere new, uh, like, like my brother did. And I looked at Vanderbilt for undergrad, and I looked at Tulane, because it's in New Orleans, and I mean, another great music town, lots of Lots of uh, musical history there. And I basically visited New Orleans for the first time when I was visiting Tulane. And, you know, I was set. Like, that. that's where I wanted to go. That's where I wanted to be. Um, so pretty much for the next four years, I was in college during the school year at Tulane. Uh, and then I spent my summers, at least three of them, um, 
in Nashville with my brother playing. We were playing music uh, with a with a we had a duo, kind of like a country rock duo. And then in New Orleans, I had a band, like a rock, pretty much just a straight up rock band. We played fraternity parties and college bars uh, down in New Orleans, and that was a blast. But I was still playing drums, pretty much. You know, I was always a singer, but I, pl I played drums and I sang, and I wasn't playing any guitar at that point, um, aside from in my bedroom writing songs. So what goes into when you're actually booking a show? So you have a band, like, who reaches out to you? Or are you reaching out to frat houses saying, we have a band, like, we would like to play here? How does that work? Yeah, it's, it's sort of different depending on what the venue is, depending on what, what we're trying to get booked for. Um, for the fraternity parties or a lot of private party gigs that we did growing up, like we did some like wedding receptions and, and things like that. A lot of times that was through a mutual connection, you know, whether it was a family friend or a friend of a friend or with the fraternity thing, you know, either it was my, my fraternity or someone I was friends with had a party and they wanted to hire us. Um, and that's kind of how that, that usually works. And then on the flip side, uh, for actual venues, um, you know, like um, bars in town, in Nashville, for example, it kind of just usually just starts shooting an email to somebody and hoping they find it, hope, you know, hoping they, uh, they see it, they listen to your stuff and, and give you a chance. But then once you start playing and developing your name around town, it's like a little easier. You can say, oh, I've played – xyz venue before i'd like to play at your place uh so that's you just kind of have to build build yourself up but i remember when we went to nashville for the first time my brother and i were looking to play some shows you know it's music city there's tons of venues but there's a lot of musicians a lot of people trying to get booked at the same time so it was pretty hard that first summer we were uh walking i think we like i remember like walking from venue to venue with like a seat with CDs and handing them out to people. We got a couple gigs that way, but um, it's pretty hard, pretty tough going early on. And the same was true in, in New Orleans. Um, we we played some we played some empty rooms for a while. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I was in um, Nashville last summer, and I remember like you go to you walk in a bar, and there's someone playing, but you really don't see anything about them like you don't see the path that they're on or how they ended up in in this particular bar that night so i just wanted to get some insight on how that actually worked oh yeah that's true i haven't played a lot of those um quote unquote what they call them honky tonks um on broadway in downtown nashville it's just kind of uh -huh. a, different, a different world a lot of that's cover cover bands uh it's a lot of work and that's a whole different animal i haven't really dipped my toe into playing down there um and part of it is because i want to i want to write music and, and perform my own stuff but part of it is it's really hard to break into down there as well you know so it's it's a mix of both um i have some friends that do it and they like it but there's always some element of man i want to play my own stuff you know so yeah where I, when i play in nashville i do a lot of songwriting nights which you know it's it's pretty popular there's a lot of writers in nashville and uh, they just they host pretty much every night of the week somewhere. You can go somewhere and see songwriters performing their songs um, acoustic. And uh, that's what I've been doing a lot lately. I played some full band sets, but 
I don't really have a band right now. I'm pretty much writing and recording music in Nashville. Cool. And then, so you're working uh, full time as a lawyer. How are you balancing all this stuff? Uh, it's been uh, it's been difficult. You know, in law school it was one thing uh, to to do to do both. It's still it's it's a little more work than undergrad, obviously, but there's still little pockets of time where you can you know go out and and play a show here and there. Um, I just started at this this law firm in Nashville, and I played. I think I've done played one gig since I started, and it was great. I had people from work come. I had music friends. I had law school friends show up. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but again, I mean, it's it's just a tricky balance. Um, so that's one of the, one of the reasons why I'm really focusing on writing and recording. That that's the kind of thing I can do on my own time. You know, when I get home from work, some people have. So people like to uh, play golf or, you know, do whatever in their free time. I, you know, I, that's what I'm doing. I, I work on music. Uh, I've been releasing music and, and writing pretty much every, every chance I get. Okay. And is that like a, is that like a daily basis thing you're trying to write? Uh, there's been times where I, I really push myself to write every day. That's what the really great writers in town are doing. They're the ones that are mm-hmm. doing it time. Um, I, Lately, don't do it every day. I mean, I'm picking up a guitar a few times a week and and pretty seriously trying to write something. Uh, and then I also schedule some co-writes with other people. Those are a little more structured. For example, I had one this weekend on Saturday and spent maybe four hours working on something with a friend of mine who's also a writer. And that's that that's when you that that's a lot more um, like I said structured and and not just me sitting at home after work fiddling around trying to write something but good songs can come out of either process you know like it just kind of you have to be constantly writing to um to to you know catch yourself at a creative moment you can't really wait for the inspiration to strike i guess yeah for sure and i know like for a lot of things that i'm doing especially like on the youtube or on the podcast if i ever have to do a solo one it's when i least expect something to come up where I'm like I have no ideas like I'm just gonna go to the gym or whatever and then it's like oh, I gotta write this down right now like I just had a cool idea so I didn't know how it is for you how your process works if you're a daily person or like you said you're doing it for a couple times a week where it's really structured like that do you think it helps when you have um, other people or do you think you're better writing by yourself um first of all i'd say that's really interesting that you kind of have the same creative process for what you're doing on youtube and the podcast um i think that it's always neat to hear people in different creative worlds talk about what they do um because there's a lot of similarities i'd say uh but then as far as your your question uh about writing by myself versus with other people i most of the stuff I've released up to this point, at least lately, you know, the country music stuff I've been writing has been by myself. But I, I it's not to say that I, I don't love co-writing. Uh, it just kind of played out that way. Um, <laughs> for me, co-writing is just an awesome experience because I pretty much write what I know and what I know about and my experiences. It's really the only way I've found that works. But when I have someone else in the room who has a whole nother set of experiences, 
and ideas and, and, you know, even, even, even down to, um, I have certain tendencies that I kind of drop back into as far as lyrics or melodies go. And just to have someone else come in that's, that's completely outside the box from what I normally do. I, I find that, that process to be awesome. And I, and I get a lot of really great, uh, songs working, you know, with other people. So I plan to do that. Um, there was a stretch when I did it a ton. And then lately I, I've been picking it back up, but there was a period in between where, uh, I was writing a lot by myself and, uh, in some ways, it's more personal when it's just you in a room with a guitar. But it's so it's so great to bounce ideas off other people. Um, I had a, a roommate in, in law school who wasn't even necessarily musically inclined. He he liked good music. A couple of roommates, for that matter, uh, that that liked good music, and they would contribute to the songwriting process very informally. Like I'd just be working on something, they would come in, and sometimes we would get together and actually try to write something and, and even that, like just being able to work with other people and, and collaborate, I found is, is really great for creativity. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to get into your new song, Louisiana Looking Back. I just, I thought it'd be cool to just like outline a step-by-step process, like what it takes when you have this original idea, you have some lyrics written down. Like what's the process? Like, can you walk us through how it, going from writing it down to actually getting it recorded and putting it on Apple music, putting it on Spotify, everything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so yeah, usually this is a kind of a cliche thing that songwriters say, um, but it's true. So that's why they all say just with, with writing a song, it doesn't really ever happen the same way twice. Um, it's, it's always a little different, but I'd say Louisiana looking back is a good example um, in some ways it kind of starts with the idea pretty much, you know, sometimes you just pick up guitar and start singing gibberish until something comes out. That doesn't usually work for me. I, I usually have to have a clear cut idea or what the, you know, what people call a hook, you know, Louisiana looking back is the hook of the song, the title mm-hmm. in this case, although I didn't have the title at the outset, I just knew I wanted it to be a reflection on my time in New Orleans. And, kind of um, through the lens of a relationship, talking about an experience I had uh, dating a girl down there, but also just I wanted to capture what it was like living there because there's all these songs about Mardi Gras and, and Bourbon Street. and they're, they're good songs, but they're kind of about more of like a touristy look at what Louisiana and New Orleans are like. Um, so I, I basically wanted to, to try to weave in some some more unique imagery but so i had this idea i knew i wanted to write about this girl but also kind of celebrate or or reflect on my time in new orleans at the same time um so from there i think i wrote some lyrics probably the first verse without any music at all that's kind of common for me i'll do that and then try to find the chords that match the mood of the song and and start singing around that and, and trying different melodies with a few of the lines i've written um, I don't always do it this way, but that's kind of what I, what I do a lot. Um, and then from there, I'll have a little bit of a, a seat of a song. It's, it's kind of in motion and I'll, uh, I'll just keep messing around and, and adding new different, you know, different lyrics and, and trying different things out. Uh, 
and then the hard part comes in is when the song's pretty you know pretty fully formed you have the chorus which is the part that everyone you know sings over and over you know you sing over and over again in the song and then I have maybe a verse and I know what the story is I've been driving towards the central idea that I've been you know working towards I, I try not to meander too much in my in my lyrics and, and get, get all over the place I want to be have a a central focus for each song. Um, but then, the, the, like I said, the hard part is just finishing it up and and uh, figuring, out, figure, figuring out, okay, what have I not said yet? What needs to be said? Um, so for that song, I didn't even have the title Louisiana Looking Back. It was, it was called something else, but I was just, I, I need a better hook that, that just kind of captures what I'm saying in this song. Uh, and honestly, like we were saying earlier, it just kind of never, like never putting the songwriting thing away completely, just as I'm walking around, you know, living my day uh, as a law student at the time, just thinking and listening to, to things that people say and trying to figure out like, okay, what well, you know, what could, what could be a good title for this song? And I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe something somebody said, but I just, a piece together, Louisiana looking back and, and tagged it on at the end of the chorus. And that was kind of one of the finishing touches. And then I think you asked about recording too, right? Yeah. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. So sure. when did you actually have the original idea? Do you know like time frame on this? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the original idea came from like I said, I always write about uh, personal experiences and try to like dig into various things I've, uh, you know, I've lived, and that was something that I I had never really captured in a song yet. And I was like, man, that was four years of my life. So it happened in law school, and that's why it's kind of very like it's kind of like a nostalgic, reflective song because it wasn't written while I was living it. I had to be away from it for a while to really yeah. hone in on the things that I really loved about that place. For example. Fishing in Delacroix, which is one of the lyrics. And I remember one time I went to this LSU football game. And it was okay. a yeah. time. Uh, so that, that lyric's true. Um, there's this bar called the Bourbon Cowboy. It's kind of like a country bar on Bourbon Street um, that we used to go to a lot. So I, I basically just kind of was thinking about all those things. Just yeah. I, don't, I don't remember when, but I but I realized that there, I really ought to write a song about about this and try to capture it all in in song because that's like you know one of the best ways for me to you know get my get my thoughts out or my feelings out or whatever um yeah, yeah for sure so uh i basically yeah i mean I, I think it was kind of that one was just something that i knew i wanted to write eventually i wasn't struck mm -hmm. suddenly had this idea i knew pretty much you know shortly after i left new orleans i need a song about about that because that was a such a great experience living down there and then so you have the song pretty much done what happens after that you go to the recording studio or you need people to collaborate more with what goes on after that yeah kind of both of those two things you just said i um i played the song for i think i played it out a time or two and played it for my roommates who i was living with at the time um Played it for anybody, probably annoyed everybody when I asked them what they thought of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I took their feedback and kind of that's where some, some of the, the I kind of 
do some make some little changes here and there um, with the lyrics, with the melodies. Uh, I think one of my roommates was learning to play drums at the time, so we set up a drum set uh, in our old basement, and I just ran through the song probably a hundred times while he was practicing the drum part, um, which was really good for me because I figured out vocally how I wanted to sing it, how I wanted to deliver the lyrics, and and whether there was any lyrics that I thought were just bad and I needed to switch out. And then the last thing, what you know, is going to the studio. And for this song, even in the studio, I think the bridge, which is the little quiet part towards the end of the song, uh, wasn't finished, and we rewrote we rewrote some of that um, with the guys in the studio. That's that song I recorded um, with my friend from home, you know, Gary. Uh, Ellison. Shout out, Gary. <laughs> grew up playing music with him and. He's, he's doing music in Nashville, too. He's a producer and writes some music as well. Uh, really, really awesome stuff. Um, and then his older brother, who's a, a musician in Nashville as well, Andy, um, he plays pedal steel and guitar and pretty much every instrument. Uh, he's on the road right now with John Party, who's a country artist. Um, oh, wow, that's amazing. So he, he's been able to you know connect, connect me with some some good musicians and session musicians and people that I can and write, write with and perform with. Um, but so we got in Gary's studio for this song and just the three of us pretty much worked this one out and decided what we wanted, what we wanted it to sound like, decided uh, what the instrumentation should be. Um, we talked about some songs that, I really like and that I wanted it to kind of be modeled off of. That's pretty common, I think, from based on what Gary and Andy were telling me that in Nashville when they're recording a new song, they, they have some sample tracks and things that they, they're basing it off of or they're like, oh, I like what they do in uh, this song or that song. Let's try to capture some of that. Um, that song I wanted to be more stripped down. There's a couple songs that I kind of based it around, but... Uh, I wanted it to be pretty country with the pedal steel, but I didn't want a whole lot of drums or anything for that one. Uh, but a lot of the other songs that I've recorded have full band, and and um, it just kind of we just kind of put whatever instruments on the record that we think the song needs. And for me, Louisiana, looking back, is a personal song, and it's it it kind of needed that slow build with you know light acoustic guitar in the beginning, and then kind of build it up from there. Mm-hmm. And that's, so you're, you're done recording. How do you distribute it now? Uh, actually, so the last thing for Louisiana, looking back, I forgot. We realized we wanted some, some background harmonies. So I, uh, and, I, and I thought it would be really great to have you know, a female harmony part, a girl singing on it. And uh, I had a friend in town that I, I called up or texted or whatever and asked uh, if she could sing on it. Reagan Russo is her name. Uh, she came into Gary's studio and and did that part, and that was that was fun, kind of the finishing touch of that song. And I think it, it really added a lot to the song, have her singing on it, because it, you know, it's about a girl, and it's it's good to have the the female, you know, a girl's voice on it. You know, it, we considered it, making it a duet, but then it, the lyrics didn't lend themselves to it. But um, but then as far as distributing, it's pretty straightforward these days. I don't know how they used to do it, but uh, CD Baby is one of the popular like distributing sites. Uh, I, don't okay. know how, I don't know how you distribute your podcast to Spotify. I was going to ask you, actually. 
Yeah, so I use this thing called Anchor, and it basically, you can select any, like you can go Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, Apple, and it goes all at once. So is it like the same thing with, yeah, with yeah. Uh, CD Baby? Yeah, it's really similar. It's basically, you can pick whatever, I just like put them all, all the, all the streaming services, uh, select each one, and then you upload the music, you upload the album artwork, and it's kind of it, and then you... You can set a release date and promote it leading up to it, which is what I've done. I had an EP before Louisiana Looking Back uh, that came out a year a year ago, and it, it's amazing how easy it is to release music now. I don't know how. I guess in the old days, you know, you had to be signed to release music and, and get it heard um, by people, but nowadays it's it's awesome. You just um, release it and get it on all the streaming platforms and my grandma can listen to it and uh, <laughs> like everybody can let you know it's, it's pretty cool yeah so so that's probably the easiest part i guess then yeah. it's just it's all the work leading up to that and it's really eye-opening to hear because i've never heard this you kind of you hear the songs on the radio but you don't hear the process it takes behind them and it's like thinking about these albums that have 15 20 songs and it's like you just released one song and it's so much work. You have four or five different people. At least you have your roommates. You need a studio and it's just like, it just sounds like a ton of work. Yeah, I mean, and, and Louisiana looking back was, I said to the other guys, I was like, I want to make this as good as the EP, but just kind of want to make it a little bit, do it a little simpler, I guess. Because for the, the EP that came out a year ago, you talk like you talk about all these moving parts. That had even more. I had I hired a guitar player, a drummer, uh, a bass player, a fiddle player, um, then Andy, and then I, I rent, you know basically hired a, a sound engineer. They did an awesome job. I really love the sound of the EP. We took a really similar approach, um, and I may record some stuff there in the future. But also, you know, working with Gary and Andy, just the two of them was really awesome too because you you know i know them i trust them i i know them i know them really well i should say and it's really easy to be creative when you're working with your best friends from home you grew up playing and they they're not afraid to tell you when a line is is terrible you know lyric is, is no good. <laughs> and i'm sure um you like how many times are you singing this in your head till where you finally are like, okay, this is it. Is this like thousands of times where yeah. you're like, okay, this needs to be changed? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty picky with, I mean, I think a lot of songwriters, um, especially in Nashville, uh, are picky about the lyrics and just making sure they're, they're perfect. So I feel like, like I said, we were in the studio working on that song and we were still, I was still asking the guys, Gary and Andy saying like, hey, does this line make sense? Should we change this? Uh, and then we did change a few things. Um, uh, but yeah, that's like one of the, the craziest things. If you, if you it, It's really easy to get the idea out and, and start, uh, the song starts to take shape with that last piece, the last like 20% of getting it good enough where you feel like every single piece is airtight and there's no flaws and no one can say, oh, that line doesn't make sense. I don't really know what you're saying there. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's never a perfect song, but, you know, I, I feel like you're always kind of striving to make it a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, 
at some point though you kind of just have to let it go and be like okay this is as good as it's going to be this is like my bet my absolute best work i know for music it's more like you're trying to get your absolute best in three or four minutes and where sometimes i'm doing youtube videos so i'm like this doesn't even make sense but it's like it's eight minutes in like i don't care so i think music is a lot more you're dialing in that two two and a half to four minute range and i think that's got to be tough yeah no definitely and and also you're talking about this on another podcast but just kind of like putting yourself out there with your podcast and and how you found that when you did that people like kind of like connected with it more i guess you said it's accurate would you say Mm -hmm. like and that's so true with, with the songwriting thing for me like i i'll write some song about something that never happened you know, or like I just think it's a cool idea or a cool title. Or I think it would, you know, they could play it on country radio. And people, uh-huh. they, they like it, but it's not connecting with people. But then when I just kind of go more with something that, that's happened to me, like Louisiana Looking Back or a lot of my other songs, uh, that's when people are like, they remember the songs. There's this one song I have about uh, like tearing my ACL in football and then there's another lyric in it where I punch a car door <laughs> and this kid that I, I had never talked to before uh, saw me at one of my like songwriting nights came up to me in a bar. I was like, Hey man, you never met me before, but I saw you at Bobby's idle hour. And I remember that lyric. And I was like, man, I, that was like one lyric I never agonized over. I just like, yeah. and I never recorded that song. I just kind of like put it out there and, and, and it was as honest as I could be. And that it's funny how like that connected and, Sometimes when you try too hard, it doesn't work out as well. Yeah, that's cool. I think if you're just if you're just authentic and you're yourself, and you really have to be open to criticism, and people might not like you. I mentioned before, I probably lose as many Instagram followers as I gain right now, which yeah, which kind of sucks in, in the short term. But um, I know like I'm just doing the best I can all the time, and if people don't like that, I've kind of accepted that, you know? And I think with, with music, it's going to, it's going to be the same way. Some people might not like your style or might not like your lyrics. And that's not a reason for you to stop doing it. I mean, just listening to your music, I think I love hearing people who are really putting themselves out there. And I think it helps when you're also super talented. Like I listen to, to your songs and you can tell that you really do take this seriously and that this is a really big passion for you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it means a lot. Now we, we have connected that much lately. So it's, it's cool that you, you know, you've been listening, you've listened to the songs and everything. You asked me to do this podcast too, for that matter. Um, but no, I feel the same, same about what you're doing the podcast and, and I, it just like you're saying, you put yourself out there. It's kind of a risk, and it's the same thing with music. And that's kind of uh, that's kind of what give, makes it exciting, kind of you know. And that's you know when, when someone says they like it, when you're putting yourself out there, uh, it, it feels that much better because you know that they're they're into what you know what your you know your authentic self or your authentic work. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're connecting people through music. I don't, I don't know if you realize that it might not be on, you might not be on tour right now, but you can really connect people. You can really heal people through music. 
so I think it's incredibly powerful what you're doing. Yeah, well, th- thanks. I mean, it's it's hard for me to look at that look at it that way. Sometimes to me, it's just oh, well, this is you know just a, a fun fun thing to get some things off my chest. But at the same time, no, I mean like that that is the goal. I think at the end of the day is if someone else can relate, you know, to to what I'm singing or, or saying or whatever. Um, that's the coolest feeling in the world. That's the, that's the reason why you do it. Do you have any tips for someone say, I don't, so you didn't, you mentioned before that you didn't just move to Nashville all in. You're like, I'm going to pursue music. I'm not going to college, but do you have any tips for somebody who is really interested in music, but doesn't really know where to start? Um, pretty I, I definitely do. Let me let me think about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, if so, if someone played an plays an instrument or is you know thinking about picking up an instrument, um, I think I would. I mean, there's different there's different advice I'd give depending on where they are in their um, you know in their musical path. But I mean, I would I would say one thing that. I, I thought was really useful and helpful was spending a lot of time early on learning the drums and and focusing and then also on, in songwriting just focusing on the craft of it and not and just being patient with the whole process um, is really important um, because you're not gonna and even now like I'm you know I'm I'm doing this and I'm I'm pursuing it pretty seriously but. Uh, I'm still, you know, nothing, I'm not like an overnight success even now. So it's like, that's kind of not the angle, you know, that you should approach it with if you're, if you want to pursue it. Um, just focusing on the craft of what you're doing, whether it's songwriting or you're a guitar player or, or a drummer. Uh, and then also another huge thing that I think has been, you know, I talk about all these people that have, that have helped me with, the recording process or the songwriting process. Um, but yeah, it just really comes down to the connections that you make. Um, you know, other people that are doing what you're doing has been so helpful, you know, beyond anything I could do on my own, I could write the greatest song in the world. And if I didn't have people to support me or to, to help me record it or to help me promote it or, um, you know, friends to bounce the ideas off of, I mean, there's, it, it's not going to go anywhere. So, I mean, it's kind of a common thing that people say in Nashville and I'm sure in other parts of the music industry, but just the people uh, and the relationships you have are, are huge. The, the guys I played in the band with at Tulane, still very close friends. We still keep in touch and support each other's music. And same with Gary and Andy, who we grew up playing music with. Um, we write together. Um, we, you know, Andy has connected me session musicians people that played on my recordings and then um so yeah i think those two things just patience and and patience and when as you're focusing on your craft and then second building relationships and and trying to trying to foster those cool yeah i think a lot of people can look back on this and just um just take those two things away so do you have any um any goals in music how you want to pursue this further i know you just started working in law you it's kind of hard to align both of those at the same time yeah i mean i i do have a goal i mean i 
a few number of goals. Uh, but uh, yeah, with with law, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard to you know pursue it with the full amount of energy that someone who who isn't working a full time job. Um, you know, someone whose full time job is music. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a little bit of an uphill battle. One thing that I think I'd really like to do though is I'd really like to uh have a song get recorded by a recording artist um in nashville a lot of these guys that perform uh uh they don't you know a lot of music is written by people who are just quote unquote songwriters and um i would love to be an artist and i'm pursuing that and i'm releasing music and uh but i also really love songwriting and if i could continue to write songs and, and get some songs recorded by, you know, any, you know, any of the major country artists, that would be, that'd be an awesome, you know, an awesome thing uh, to happen. And, you know, it's definitely a lofty goal, but it's, it's, I think it's attainable for someone who's, you know, not out on the road playing shows every night kind of thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, Focus on songwriting. That's something that I'd like to do. Uh, and then in the meantime, just continue writing and recording and uh, hoping that I'm, you know, connecting with people. And because and, uh, it's just what I like to do. You know, I've always done it. We've been talking about how I started doing this from a young age. Just love it. Yeah, that's amazing. So you have to promise me, though, if you get this song recorded, you got to come back on the podcast and talk about it. Yeah, I would love to. That happens. I would love to. I mean, it'd be even better if it was, if I recorded my own song and it was a big radio, you know, hit. But uh, like I said, like I think it'd be awesome to have anybody, you know, record it. And if that happens, I will definitely come back on the podcast and, and <laughs> talk about it. I'd love to. That'd be awesome. All right, cool, man. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Where can people find Louisiana? Looking back, where can they go to support your journey? Yeah. Um, all my music is on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and every other streaming service that you might use. Um, so you can you can find my EP in Louisiana Looking Back. And I have a new song coming out called Goodbye Rodeo. Should come should be coming out in January or maybe a little later than that. Uh, and then I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'd say if you want to keep up to date um, with my music. I have a Facebook page for my music, but I'm most active on Instagram. It's Dan Lawrence underscore music. Okay, cool. And I'll get I'll get all those linked up in the show notes as well. Yeah, so that's kind of like where I where I hang out mostly. You know, I, I, I stay on Instagram and try to post you know post updates, and then I'm always releasing music on the streaming platforms. All right, awesome, man. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Angelo. This is awesome. So once again, thanks to Dan for coming on the show. He was a great guest. I always appreciate anyone who says yes to coming on the podcast. I have not been a guest on any other podcast yet. So quick plug, if you do want to have me on your podcast to talk about how I started this, how I started my YouTube channel, just anything going on in my life, I'd be happy to do that. But I understand that guests have to be open. They have to be vulnerable and um be able to carry out a well-articulated conversation and really everyone I've had on has done that and I'm so grateful for everyone who's done that especially Dan this week for 
just giving up some of his time, his free time to do this. So I'm not compensating anybody for coming on. So I just appreciate every single person who's came on the show. I appreciate all the future guests who I'm going to try to get on to work hard for you guys. So my one ask this week is to just please share the podcast, share a screenshot on your Instagram story. That helps me grow and get into an audience that I'm not currently in. So I'm not sure how many people actually search the term better than yesterday as a podcast, but hopefully you guys can share it and keep um, putting it in your Instagram story, just maybe with a timestamp or something like that, something you heard that you liked and someone new can listen to the show. So I'm always looking to do that. Make sure to give it a five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. I do release new ones every single Sunday. So that's the plan going forward. I just um, I appreciate every single one of you guys who made it this far in the episode. And I will see you guys next week. It is going to be Thanksgiving. So I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy some time with their family and friends. And just really appreciates everything that they have in life. So I will talk to you guys next week. Take care.